Holy Spirit. Lord, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there in Hebrews chapter number four. And of course, on Wednesday nights, we've been going through a Bible study uh, through the book of Hebrews, going verse by verse, chapter by chapter uh, through the book of Hebrews. Tonight, we find ourselves here at the beginning of Hebrews chapter number four. And I'd like you to notice, we're going to look at the first five verses here of Hebrews 4, and I'd like to just quickly show you the subject, the focus in this passage. Hebrews 4, in verse 1, says, Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us, I want you to notice this little phrase, of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith, in them that heard it. For we which have believed, and I want you to notice this little phrase, notice the emphasis, do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Verse 4, for he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. And I want you to notice that in this passage here, in the first five verses, really in the first 11 verses of this passage, we find the focus uh, is on the subject of the seventh day or the Sabbath day or the day of rest. And of course, if you've been going through the book of Hebrews with us, you've heard me say this pretty much every week. The purpose of the book of Hebrews is to help uh, Christians in the first century who were uh, Hebrew descendants, who were descendants of Abraham or were Jews, to help them understand how to transition out of the Old Testament into the New Testament and how the Old Testament and the New Testament correlates. And what the Apostle Paul, and I believe Paul wrote the book of Hebrews, does here is he begins to deal with the subject of the Sabbath day. And that's what we have in these verses before us verses 1 through 5, and like I said, really verses 1 through 11. Now, I'm actually not going to take the time, uh, like we normally do on Wednesday night, I'm not going to take the time to dissect and break down each one of these passages uh, or each one of these verses very much tonight. And the reason for that is because there is so much false teaching on the subject of the Sabbath day uh, that I feel like before we can focus on what this passage is actually teaching, I, I need to teach, you know, and, and clear up some issues regarding the Sabbath day. And again, the problem is not with the Word of God. The Word of God is clear. You could read it and understand exactly what it says. But there's so much false teaching and so much confusion out there uh, regarding the Sabbath day. I'd like to take some time and explain why it is that we don't keep the Sabbath day. And why it is that we as New Testament believers do not keep the Sabbath day. And this is, you know, this is something that, a lot, that, that there's lots of religions out there that are confused about this and that teach that you have to keep the Sabbath day. Religious groups that keep the Sabbath day today, of course, would be the Jews. Uh, and then you've got the Seventh-day Adventists. You have Messianic Jews. You have the Hebrew Roots Movement. You have the Black Hebrew Israelites. And there's even Seventh-day Baptists out there uh, who keep the Sabbath day. You know, it's interesting to me because as you read the New Testament, and we just got done studying the book of Galatians, so this was really apparent, this was really, the whole book of Galatians is about this, uh, but it's not just in Galatians, it's in other passages. What you read in the New Testament is that there was this concern 
uh, and this issue where Judaizers were trying to bring first century Christians back under the Mosaic law and back into the Jews' religion. And today it's no different. Today you have people trying to tell us that we need to keep the Sabbath day, and not only that, but keep the uh, dietary restrictions of the Old Testament and keep all those things. And really, they always start off with the Sabbath day. If they can get you on the Sabbath day, then they have you down the road of being brought back into bondage, uh, back into the Jews' religion. And if you think about it, that's what all these, I mean, consider the fact, who are the people that, uh, that, that, are, that are keeping the Sabbath, today, the Sabbath day today? Messianic Jews supposedly they believe in Christ, but they're still Jewish, and Hebrew roots movement, black Hebrew Israelites. These are individuals that are trying to bring people back into bondage. Seventh-day Adventists, they are keeping the Sabbath day. They are keeping the dietary laws of the Old Testament. And I could preach a whole sermon on the dietary laws. I'm not going to do that uh, tonight, but I do want to focus on the subject of the Sabbath day, and I want to explain to you clearly why it is that we do not keep the Sabbath day and why the Bible teaches against it. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you six biblical arguments as to why we do not keep the Sabbath day. And I want to encourage you, of course, to take notes on the back of your course of the week. There's a place for you to write down notes. And this is the kind of sermon that I would encourage you to write down notes and have this with you and have it ready because you might come across somebody that keeps the Sabbath day. You might be soul winning one day. And again, I don't think we should argue over these things, but maybe somebody genuinely asks you a question about it and you can have some arguments, biblical arguments from the Word of God as to why it is that we do not keep the Sabbath day. And I'd like you to keep your place in Hebrews. That's um, going to be one of our focuses uh, tonight. Keep your place there in Hebrews chapter number four. But if you would go with me uh, to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter two, if you go backwards from Hebrews, you're going to go past the book of Philemon past the T-books, Titus, 2nd and 1st Timothy, 2nd and 1st Thessalonians, and you'll find the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, Hebrews, Philemon, Titus, 2nd and 1st Timothy, 2nd and 1st Thessalonians, Colossians, and I've asked you to keep your place in Hebrews, please do that, but also keep a finger there in Colossians, because we're going to leave it, and we're going to come back to it, and I want you to be able to get to it quickly, and I want to give you, as quickly as I can tonight, six arguments as to why we do not keep the Sabbath day, why we don't observe the Sabbath day as New Testament uh, believers. And, and I'm going to give you these arguments. Uh, they're, not, they're, they're not alliterated and they're not, you know, succinct statements like I usually try to give you. So you're just going to have to write them down. I'll try to repeat them for you if you'd like. But these are arguments as to why it is, you know, because people ask the question, why we at Verity Baptist Church, why don't we keep the Sabbath? Why do we have church on Sunday and not Saturday? Why have we made those decisions? It's not because of tradition or because of anything like that, because this is what the Bible teaches. And I'm going to prove it to you biblically uh, tonight. Six reasons why, six arguments why we don't keep the Sabbath day. Argument number one is this, and maybe you can jot this down. I'll give you the argument, and then I'll explain it. Argument number one is this. The Old Testament covenant... And the Old Testament ordinances, which include the Sabbath day, have been repealed. The reason that we don't keep, and honestly, argument number one is really the argument. I'm going to give you six because there's just lots of different ways to prove this. But this is really just the doctrinal. You want to know why? Why do New Testament believers not keep the Sabbath day? Here's the reason. The Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances have been repealed. And that includes the Sabbath day. Now, let me prove that to you from the Bible. Colossians chapter 2, if you would, look at verse 14. By the way, that's what the whole book of Hebrews is about. A major focus of Hebrews, especially starting in chapter 4 and as we move forward, is going to be a lot about 
the, the Old Testament covenant being, uh, being uh, uh, replaced with the new covenant and that it's been done away. We're going to deal with that a lot in Hebrews, but let me show it to you from other passages. Colossians 2, look at verse 14. Colossians 2, 14. Notice what the Bible says. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. I want you to notice that little phrase there, that word ordinances. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances. And, and let me just define the word ordinance for you. An ordinance in the Bible is, whenever you see that word ordinance, just realize that it is a symbolic or ceremonial type ritual. When something is called an ordinance in the Bible, it is referring to something that is done symbolically. The Old Testament or the Old Covenant is filled with all sorts of ordinances, lots of ordinances. But even in the New Testament, we have some ordinances that we do. For example, baptism. Baptism is an ordinance. Baptism is something that we do, and it is symbolic. When someone uh, is taken under the water, that symbolizes the death of Christ. When they come up out of the water, that symbolizes the resurrection of Christ. Uh, the Lord's Supper is something that is symbolic. The bread pictures the broken. As we break the bread, it pictures the broken body of Christ. As we pour the juice, it pictures the shedding of His blood. Those are ordinances that we do in the New Testament, and they're symbolic. They are shadows or foreshadows. They're ceremonial religious rituals. In the, in, in the New Testament, we have them. The Old Testament is filled with them. Now, I want you to notice what the Bible says here in Colossians 2.14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Now, here, and, I'm, and we, I got a, so much to go over tonight that we're just going to have to move quickly. I'm not going to have the time to go through the whole context. You can read the whole book of Colossians if you'd like, but I want you to notice when he says against us, this is Paul writing to Gentile believers. Obviously, in Colossae, he's writing to the church of the Colossians, and he says, and, and he's talking about the fact that Jesus was blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Notice, which was contrary to us and took it out of the way. Now, when did, when did he take the ordinances? When did he blot them out? And when did he take it out of the way? Notice the last part of verse 14, nailing it to his cross. So when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says, one of the things that he did was that he blotted out the ordinances and he took it out of the way. And by the way, my opinion, and this is just my opinion, uh, but I, my belief is that when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, he was not talking about the work needed for salvation because we understand that the work needed for salvation still needed a resurrection. Amen. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. When he said on the cross, it is finished, he wasn't talking about the work needed for salvation because he still had to be buried. He still had to uh, have his soul uh, go to hell for three days and three nights and he still had to resurrect from the dead. I believe when he said on the cross, it is finished, he was talking about the old covenant. It's finished. It's done. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. Now, why does it say, why is he saying the ordinances were against us? Notice, which was contrary to us. Again, he's talking to Gentile believers. The Old Testament law, and here's what I want you to, to, to understand. Keep your place there in Colossians. Keep your finger right there. And go to the Old Testament book of 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter 2. If you can find the 1 and 2 books, they're all clustered together. 1st, 2nd Samuel, 1st, 2nd Kings, 1st, 2nd Chronicles. 2 Chronicles chapter number 2. And let me just help you understand this. The Old Testament law was divided into two sections. And there's multiple ways 
that we can prove this or even different things we can call them. But just uh, for sake of clarity, uh, uh, the, the way that I like to refer to it is this. There is what you might refer to as the moral laws, right? That's where God was telling the children of Israel in the Old Testament. He tells all of us things like, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not commit adultery, you know, thou shalt not bear false witness. He's telling us to not steal. Those are moral laws. Those are dealing with righteousness and unrighteousness, what's right and what's wrong. You have the moral laws of the Old Testament, but then you also have the ceremonial laws of the Old Testament. The ceremonial laws have to do with all of the things that were uh, shadows or symbolisms or symbolic. They were ordinances. These are the sacrifices. These are the Sabbath days. These are the washings and the drink offerings. These things, look, there's nothing moral or immoral about a drink offering or a sacrifice. Those things were done ceremonially. And of course, if you remember when we studied through chapter by chapter through the book of Leviticus, uh, what do all those things represent? They were all representing the Lord Jesus Christ. Every single one of those sacrifices, everything in the ceremonial, everything in the, uh, uh, in, in the ceremonial aspect of the Old Testament was a shadow or a foreshadow or a symbolism of the Lord Jesus Christ. So in the Old Testament, you have the law, the Old Testament law, but it's divided into two sections, the moral law, the ceremonial law. The ceremonial law is called ordinances throughout the Bible. Let me just prove that to you. Are you there in 2 Chronicles? Look at chapter 2 and verse 4. 2 Chronicles chapter 2 and verse 4, notice what the Bible says. Behold, I build a house to the name of the Lord my God, to dedicate it to him and to burn before him. So this is talking about the dedication of the temple, right? You had the tabernacle uh, before that, and then later Solomon would build the temple. Behold, I built an house to the name of the Lord my God to dedicate it to him and to burn before him sweet incense and for the continual show bread. You see the word show there? In your King James Bible, it's S-H-E-W. We would uh, spell it today S-H-O-W. Show bread, meaning it was there for show. It was symbolic. Sweet incense. This is symbolic. These are religious uh, uh, rituals. Sweet incense for the continual show bread and for the burnt offering, morning and evening. The burnt offerings, again, these represent the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice this. On the Sabbaths, and on the new moons, and on the solemn feast of the Lord our God. So he's saying, I'm building a temple to keep all of these religious ordinances, these foreshadows, these symbolisms, these religious rituals that we're going to do here. Sweet incense, continual showbread, burnt offerings on the Sabbath day, and on the new moons, and on the solemn feast of the Lord our God. Look at the last part of verse 4. This is, and notice it, ordinance forever to Israel. So what was an ordinance for the nation of Israel? The incense, the showbread, the burnt offerings, the Sabbath, the new moons, the solemn feast. The Bible calls these ordinances, but wait a minute, go back to Colossians 2.14. In the New Testament, we're told that these were blotted out, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances which was against us. Now, why does Paul say that the ordinances were against us? And the reason that he says that they were against us or that they were contrary to us is because of the fact that the ordinances were the religious aspect of the Old Testament covenant. And they were what kept the Gentiles out. 
The ordinances like circumcision, the ordinances like these different sacrifices, they kept the Gentiles out. In the Old Testament, if you wanted to be a part of the people of God, you had to convert to not only be a citizen of the nation of Israel, but you had to be a part of their religion and convert to their uh, Levitical priesthood temple system. And the ordinances, because that was the religion that the Old Testament Jews were uh, practicing in the Old Testament nation of Israel, it was against us, the Gentiles. It was contrary to us. It is what kept us out. But now, after Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says that that has been taken out of the way. It says he took it, Colossians 2.14, took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Look at verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Look at verse 16. Let no man therefore... Now the word therefore means for this reason. For what reason? Here's what he's saying. Because Jesus died on the cross... And one of the things he did on the cross was he blot out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us, and he nailed them to the cross that were contrary to us. He says, because of that, verse 16, let no man therefore judge you. The word judge means to, to condemn you. If it's done uh, against the law of God, it's like a criticism or to try to condemn you or to try to impose to you. He says, let no man therefore judge you. He says, don't let anybody judge you in these things because of the fact that Jesus blotted out the ordinances, nailing them to the cross. Verse 16, let no man therefore judge you in meat or in drinks or in respect of a holy day or of a new moon or of the Sabbath days, which are a, look at it, shadow, symbolic, foreshadowing of things to come, but the body is of Christ. So notice the Bible clearly teaches that the ordinances were done away. Now, I have a problem with people that say, because today you have people say, oh, in the New Testament, God has done away with the law. Well, if you're talking about the ceremonial law, you're absolutely right. God's done away with the ceremonial law, but he's not done away with the moral law. You understand it's still wrong to kill in the New Testament. God still doesn't want you marrying your aunt in the New Testament. The more, all the moral laws stand. He still doesn't want you stealing. He still doesn't want you killing. He still doesn't want you doing any of those things. But the ceremonial law is done. You say, why? Because it's all fulfilled in Christ. Because every single one of the ordinances was symbolic or a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about the Passover. The Passover was the lamb that was slain and the blood was shed and the blood was applied to the doorpost of a house and, and, and if the blood was applied then the, the angel of death when he came there in Egypt he would pass over that house and not judge them. That was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why John the Baptist, when he saw the Lord Jesus Christ, said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. This is why the Bible says that Jesus is our Passover. So do we today keep the Passover? Look, if we kept the Passover today, that would be sacrilegious. Because that was symbolic of something that was coming, but the thing has now came, the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember the theme of the, of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is better. You've got the Old Testament Passover, but Jesus, the Passover, is better. Do you understand that? So we don't 
keep a Passover because we keep the Passover, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because all the ordinances were symbolic of Jesus, when he came and he died on the cross, they were done. Now, I didn't say that, that the law, the moral law is done. He still wants you to keep the moral law. But the ordinances are done. The Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances, which included the Sabbath day, have been repealed. Let me give you another verse. Go to Galatians chapter 4. You're there in Colossians. Just go backwards past Philippians, Ephesians, Galatians. I mean, that's, that's clear. You, if, if you can't see that, I don't know what to tell you. You're, I don't even know if you're saved. I mean, that's, it's clear in the Bible. Second Chronicles 2 calls these things ordinances. Sweet incense, continual showbread, burnt offering, Sabbath days, new moons, solemn feasts. This is an ordinance. And then Colossians says, he's blotted out the handwriting of the ordinances. He took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. And then in that context, he says, therefore, let no man judge you in meat or drinks or respective holy days or new moons or of the Sabbath days. He says, why? Because they've been done away. Let's look at another passage. Galatians 4, look at verse 9. Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. But now, this is again, Paul speaking to Gentile Christians. By the way, the book of Galatians is about these Gentile Christians having Judaizers come from Jerusalem trying to bring them back under the Mosaic Old Testament law. And Paul says in Galatians 4 and verse 9, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, and of course this is referring to the fact that they're saved, God is not going to say to them, Jesus is not going to say to them, Depart from me, I never knew you. He said, but now, after ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to weak and beggarly elements, whereunto ye desire again to be in bondage? He said, why are you going back to the bondage of the Old Testament Mosaic Law? And that's clear from the book of Galatians. You cannot read the book of Galatians and not get that. That's absolutely the whole point of the book. We just studied it. It was the book right before Hebrews. Look at verse 10. Ye observe days, talking about holy days, Sabbath days, and months, and times, and years. He says, you're trying to go back into bondage, and then he says, here's, here's what I mean by that. You're observing days, and months, and times, and years. Verse 11, notice what he says. He says, I'm afraid of you. Some of you were offended when I said, man, if you can't see that, I'm not even sure that you're saved. Well, that's what Paul said. He looked at these Galatians and said, I am afraid of you, lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. He said, if you can't look at this and get it, I'm afraid that you're not even saved. I'm afraid that you don't even have the Holy Spirit. This, this is very basic to understand. Look at Hebrews 9. Go back to Hebrews. Hebrews 9. And here's the truth. A bunch of these Sabbath day keepers are not saved. I mean, they're, they're keeping the Sabbath day because they're trying to work their way to heaven. Hebrews 9, verse 9. And we're not mad at them. We want to get them saved. Amen. We love them and we don't want them to go to hell. We want them to find true rest. Amen. Hebrews 9. Look at verse 9. Hebrews 9, 9. Notice what the Bible says. Which This is Hebrews. This is what we're going to get to later on in our study. Which was a figure. This is, again, symbolic. A shadow, a foreshadow, an ordinance, which was a figure, notice, for the time then present. What time? The Old Testament time. These things were a figure for the time then present in which were offered both 
gifts and sacrifices. It's talking about the sacrifices, the meats, all these things that could not make him that did the service perfect as pertaining to the conscience. Look at verse 10. Which stood in meats and drinks and divers washings and cardinal, don't miss it, look at it, ordinances. Look, it's like the same list he's giving in all these passages. There's some things that he mentions here, mentions there, but he's saying they were meat and drinks and diverse washings and cardinal ordinances, look at it, imposed on them, notice this word, until. Until means there was an ending date. There was a time when these were no longer imposed on them. Until when? Until the time of Reformation. And biblically, when is the time of Reformation? Look at verse 11. But Christ being come. When Christ came, that was the time of Reformation, according to Hebrews. When Christ came, the meats and drinks and divers washings and cardinal ordinances were imposed on them until the time of Reformation, until Christ came. Why did they end when Christ came? Because when He died on the cross, He nailed the ordinances on the cross, blotting them out, took them out of the way. So if you want to understand why it is that we don't follow the Sabbath day or keep the Sabbath day, the doctrinal, the reason is because the Old Testament covenant has been done away with. The Old Testament ordinances, the ceremonial law, the Levitical priesthood, the temple sacrifices, the Sabbath day, all those things, um, the ordinances, which included the Sabbath day, have been repealed. That's argument number one. That's, look, we could just pray and be done. I'm not going to do that. But we could be praying and be done because that's really just the answer. That is the answer to the question. Why don't we keep the Sabbath day? The Sabbath day was part of the ordinances. Like the burnt offering, like the meat offerings, like the drink offerings, like the solemn assemblies, like the temple, like the tabernacle, like the Levitical priesthood. All those things were foreshadows of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of them have been fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't follow those in the New Testament because they're fulfilled in Christ. So argument number one, the Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances, which include the Sabbath day, have been repealed. Let me give you argument number two. Go to the book of Romans, if you would. Romans chapter 14. Romans chapter 14. Hopefully some of these other ones go a little faster because I want to spend some time. That's the actual doctrinal, that's your, the answer to the question. But let me give you some other things to just kind of understand regarding the Sabbath day. Romans 14, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. Romans 14 Here's argument number two. Argument number one, the Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances, which included the Sabbath day, have been repealed. Here's argument number two. The New Testament specifically teaches that we have liberty to keep or not keep any day, and this includes the Sabbath day. Romans 14, look at verse 5. Notice what the Bible says. One man esteemeth one day above another. Another esteemeth every day alike. Well, who's right and who's wrong? Notice what the Bible says. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. You know what the Bible says? The Bible says that there are some things that God says, hey, you decide. If you want to esteem one day above another, or if you want to esteem uh, every day alike, he said, that's fine, just be fully persuaded in your, in your own mind. Look at verse 6. He that regardeth the day, regardeth it unto the Lord. And he that regardeth not the day, to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks. And he that eateth not, to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. Here's what he says. He says, look, you, the, the New Testament teaches 
that we as New Testament Christians have the liberty to keep or not keep any day you want to keep. And this includes the Sabbath day, but this includes whatever day. Look, if you, if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, you don't have to celebrate Christmas. But don't judge people who celebrate Christmas. Because the Bible says that, and this is what I always think it's interesting about people who make a big deal about, and, and by the way, I celebrate Christmas, I celebrate, you know, all, the, all those holidays, not Halloween, but, uh, you know, not St. Patrick's Day either, but all the other ones, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all for that. But it's always interesting to me, when you get around Seventh-day Adventists, you know, you knock on a Seventh-day Adventist door, and you want to, you ask them about salvation, do you know for sure if that today you go to heaven? And they're like, do you keep the Sabbath day? And it's like, that's your one thing? That's your main thing? I mean, we're talking about heaven and hell, but you're like, do you keep the Sabbath day? You know, or you get around Jehovah's Witnesses, and they don't celebrate birthdays, they don't celebrate Christmas. You know, the Bible says that in the New Testament, you don't have to celebrate any day, but the Bible also says, let no man therefore judge you. And what's interesting to me is that the people who choose to not celebrate days, they're the most judgmental people about that. And it's like, you're not right on any level here, because even if you want to claim the fact that you don't have to celebrate a day, here's what the Bible says, you don't have to celebrate anything you don't want to, but don't judge other people. Let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. And if he regardeth the day, he regardeth it unto the Lord. You know, when I celebrate Christmas, you know what I'm celebrating? The birth of Christ. I know he wasn't born on December 25th, but I'm, I, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord. I'm not celebrating Santa Claus and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. I'm celebrating Jesus. But you know, he that regarded not the day to the Lord, he does not regard it. So look, I'm not going to judge someone and say, if you don't want to celebrate Christmas, you don't have to. But I'm not going to judge you for not celebrating it, and you shouldn't judge me for celebrating. That's what the Bible says. So look, and you can't get away from that. The New Testament specifically teaches that we have the liberty to keep or not keep any day, and this includes the Sabbath day. And look, obviously, if you want to take a day to rest, that's a good principle from the Bible, but you shouldn't judge people for not keeping the Sabbath day or for not keeping whatever it is that you're not keeping. That's not biblical. The Bible teaches against that. Go to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22. Let me give you a third argument. So argument number one, the Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances, which include the Sabbath day, have been repealed. Argument number two, the New Testament specifically teaches that we have the liberty to keep or not keep any day. This includes the Sabbath day. Here's argument number three. Now, this argument to me is, is not the strongest, but it is just kind of interesting, and I think you should be aware of it. And it's this, that the New Testament reiterates nine of the Ten Commandments, but not the Fourth Commandment about the Sabbath day. Now you say, why is, this, why, why is this an argument? And here's why. When we talk about the Ten Commandments, remember the Ten Commandments are, are the famous Ten Commandments that God gave um, in, in the book of Exodus and, and, and to the children of Israel. All of the Ten Commandments are moral law except one. Only one is actually part of the ceremonial law. And that is commandment number four, the commandment regarding keeping the Sabbath day. So it's really interesting to me that God says, I'm going to repeal the ceremonial law. I'm going to keep the moral law, but I'm going to repeal the ceremonial law. You have ten commandments. All of them could be considered or would be considered as morally 
right and wrong part of the moral law, except one, one commandment, the fourth commandment about keeping the Sabbath day, that is part of the ceremonial law. When you go to the New Testament, every one of the Ten Commandments is reiterated except for the fourth commandment. Why? Because in the New Testament, the ordinances or the ceremonial law has been repealed. Are you there in Matthew 22? I'm not sure if I asked you to go there. Matthew 22, first book in the New Testament, Matthew 22. Look at verse 37. When you get to Matthew 22, just keep your finger there because we're going to leave it and we're going to come right back to Matthew. So I'd like you to get there quickly. I'm just going to quickly go through and show you. There's lots of passages we could look on this. I'm not going to take the time to go through every passage, but I'm just going to show you how every commandment in one way or another is reiterated in the New Testament. So the first commandment, of course, of the Ten Commandments is, thou shalt have no other gods before me. Exodus 20 and verse 3, right? Here's, here's how it's reiterated in the New Testament, and, and you get the same command. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Matthew 22, 37. Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Now, isn't that teaching pretty much the same thing? If you love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, you're not going to have any other God before him. There's not going to be any other God that you'll have. So notice that here we have an example of the first commandment pretty much being restated or reiterated in the New Testament. Keep your finger there in Matthew. Go to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. If you go backwards from Revelation, you have Jude, 3rd, 2nd, and 1 John, 1 John chapter 5. What's the second commandment? The second commandment is, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images, Exodus 20 and verse 4. And also along with that, Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, Exodus 20 and verse 5. So the second commandment is, Don't make any images, don't bow down yourself to any images. 1 John 5, 21. And again, we could go to a lot of passages. I'm just pulling out just a few just to make the point. 1 John 5, 21. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. Okay, that's the second commandment. Because thou shalt not make unto thee any graven images, thou shalt not bow down thyself to them. What is he telling you? Don't make idols, don't worship idols. Well, 1 John 5, 21, little children, keep yourselves from idols. Amen. That's the second commandment. And again, I'm just sure, I'm not, when I say that the Ten Commandments are reiterated, I'm not saying they're reiterated like they are in, in the Old Testament where they're given in Ten Commandments. But I'm saying the teachings of the Ten Commandments are reiterated, uh, retaught, restated in the New Testament. All right, so we have number one, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. We saw that in Matthew 22. Go back to Matthew chapter 6 this time, if you would. Go back to Matthew in verse 6. The second commandment, Thou shalt make unto thee any graven images. Keep yourselves from idols. So we got that covered in the New Testament. Here's the third commandment. The third commandment is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Exodus 20 and verse 7. Here we, we find it kind of restated or reiterated in Matthew 6 9. In the famous passage of the Lord's Prayer, after this manner, therefore pray ye, our Father which are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So look, when the Bible says, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain, and then Jesus said, hallowed be thy name, it's the same idea that we should be very careful when we utter the name of God. Amen. The name of God is not a curse word. Don't go around, you know, just because you bumped your toe into something, is, you know, or you're surprised by something. Oh, my! And use the, you should not use the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It should be hallowed when we use it. Hallowed be thy name. So here we have, again, the same concept as the third commandment, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. It's kind of reinstated or reiterated in the New Testament. Hallowed be thy name. How about the fifth commandment? Go to Ephesians chapter 6. 
Now, you'll notice that I skipped the fourth commandment, and here's why I skipped it. Because it's not reiterated in the New Testament at all. And I, look, I defy you, like Goliath over here, I defy you to find a verse in the New Testament that says, keep the Sabbath day. You won't find it. I already showed you several verses that said, don't keep the Sabbath day. Don't let anybody judge you or compel you or criticize you or try to keep, get you to keep the Sabbath day. You can't find it in the Bible. But it's funny, you can find all the other commandments. Ephesians 6, look at verse 2. What's the fifth commandment? Honor thy father and thy mother. Exodus 20, verse 12. Ephesians 6, and verse 2. Honor thy father and mother. Which is the first commandment with promise. <laughs> it's just a quote of the fifth commandment in the Old Testament. So we see that reiterated. Now the next ones get really easy because they're all, there's multiple verses that are like this. I'm just going to show you one. Go to Romans chapter 13. Romans chapter 13. If you go backwards, you have Ephesians, Galatians, 2nd and 1st Corinthians, and then the book of Romans. Romans chapter uh, 13. So we saw the first commandment, the second commandment, the third commandment, the fifth commandment, all are reiterated in the New Testament. And again, we could go to a lot of passages, but this was easy. I'll just show you this, Romans 13.9. Romans 13.9 just covers the rest. Romans 13.9, for this, notice what he says, thou shalt not commit adultery. That's the seventh commandment, Exodus 24, verse 14. Thou shalt not kill. That's the sixth commandment, Exodus 20.13. Thou shalt not steal. That's the eighth commandment. Exodus 20, verse 15. Thou shalt not bear false witness. That's the ninth commandment. Exodus 20, verse 16. Thou shalt not covet. That's the tenth commandment. Uh, Exodus 20, uh, 17. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And of course, he's teaching the fact that if you just love your neighbor as yourself, you're not going to morally hurt them or do anything wrong. But here's what's interesting. He brings up the seventh commandment. He brings up the eighth commandment. He brings up the ninth commandment, the sixth commandment, the tenth commandment. They're all brought up in the New Testament. And there's other passages like this where Jesus does this himself, where he's talking to the rich young ruler. He brings up a bunch of different commandments. Here's what's interesting. In the New Testament, you can find quoted or restated or reiterated every one of the Ten Commandments except one. The Sabbath day. Why? You think that's a coincidence? You think that's just, oh, God's like, oh, I forgot. The Seventh-day Adventist is going to be really mad at me. I forgot to add. No, it's not there for a reason because it's part of the ceremonial law. It's been done away. It was nailed on the cross. It's been blotted out. It's part of the ordinances that we don't keep anymore. But the rest, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal. God says, yes, still do those things. Go to Acts chapter 20. You're there in Romans. Just flip back to Acts chapter 20. Let me give you argument number four. So argument number one, the Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances, which include the Sabbath, they have been repealed. Argument number two, the New Testament specifically teaches that we have liberty to keep or not keep any day. This includes the Sabbath. Argument number three, the New Testament reiterates nine of the Ten Commandments and not the fourth commandment about the Sabbath day. The only of the Ten Commandments that was not an ordinance is the only one that, excuse me, that was an ordinance, is the only one that is not reinstated or reiterated in the New Testament. Here's argument number four. The New Testament practice was to go to church on the first day of the week, not the Sabbath day. Acts chapter 20, look at verse 7. Acts 20, verse 7. And upon the first day of the week, 
Now look, the Sabbath day, we already saw it in, 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 in Hebrews, it's the seventh day. It's what we would call on our calendar Saturday. But the Bible says, and upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow and continue to speech until midnight. Notice that the disciples in the New Testament, they didn't meet on the seventh day. They met on the first day. What's the first day? Sunday. And look, Sunday is the first day of the week, not Monday. Why do we go to church on Sunday? Well, number one, Jesus resurrected on the first day of the week, which is why we honor him and remember him by meeting every, every Sunday. But also, we give God the first day of the week because in all things, he should have the preeminence. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. So we give him the first day of the week. The New Testament Christians, they met upon the first day of the week. Let me give you another proof text. Go to 1 Corinthians 16. You're there in Acts, go past Romans into 1 Corinthians. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 16, 2. 1 Corinthians 16, 2 says this, Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, and that, that there be no gatherings when I come. Here Paul's talking about taking a special offering. He says, when, when do you want us to do it, Paul? Upon the first day of the week. Why on the first day? Because that's when New Testament believers met. The New Testament practice was to go to church on the first day of the week. So explain to me why I should then, as a pastor, have our congregation meet on the Sabbath day when Paul didn't meet on the Sabbath day, he met on the first day. Why should we take an offering on the Sabbath day when Paul met on the first day? Are we better than Paul? The New Testament practice was to go to church and to meet together on the first day of the week. Now, you say, why, why this is all connected. Why is the Sabbath day not highlighted uh, as the day? Because in the New Testament, the ordinances and the ceremonial law had been done away. So they're meeting on the first day. You know what they did on the Sabbath day? They went out soul winning. You know what we do on the Sabbath day? We go out soul winning. So the New Testament practice was to go to church on the first day of the week, not the Sabbath day. And look, by the way, let me just say this. You can't find any verse in the Bible that tells us that we're supposed to go to church on the Sabbath day. Because that's what these Seventh-day Adventists and these, you know, Hebrew roots and, 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 and these, you know, Jewish people, they're like, you need to have church on the Sabbath day. Show me a verse where the Bible says that. Because in the Old Testament, they didn't have church on the Sabbath day. So what did they do on the Sabbath day? They rested. It was their day off. And they also had holidays and feasts that landed on the Sabbath day, but they didn't go to church. There was no New Testament church in the Old Testament. So when we're talking about New Testament Christianity, you look at the New Testament, and they're meeting on the first day of the week. And look, here's the truth. Oftentimes, and not all these people, obviously some people are just born into these religions. They're born into being a Jehovah's Witness. They're born into being a Mormon. They're born into false religions. They're born into being a Seventh-day Adventist. They're born into being whatever. But, but people that convert to this or people that are teaching this, the false prophets, you know what's really interesting to me is that the truth about these Sabbath day keepers is that they don't really care about you having church or us worshiping on the Sabbath day. What they really care is about us not going to church on Sunday. 
we had people that, that they weren't part of our church, but they would, they, they would come to events when we had like the Red Hot Preaching Conference. They would come to events and things that our church put on. And they, they were these Sabbath day Baptists where they kept the Sabbath day. And it's really funny to me because we'd have the Red Hot Preaching Conference. They'd come to church on Thursday night, no problem. They'd come to church on Friday. They'd come to church Monday, Tuesday, and, but they wouldn't come on Sunday. So it's like, they didn't really care about the Sabbath, Sabbath day. They were really just anti the first day. Because they're just, they're just like, as long as you don't have, and they were like, you know, you're not right with God if you go to church on, on Sunday, but, but we can go on Monday, and Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, and Saturday. Hey, I'm for having church every day. Amen. And so oftentimes, you know, you talk to these people, and they're not really about the Sabbath day. They're, they should call themselves anti-first day. I'm an anti-first day Adventist. I'm a Hebrew roots wannabe Jew, and I'm just against the first day. Because the New Testament practice was to go to church on the first day of the week, not the Sabbath day. Okay, go to Leviticus 23. I got to hurry up because I'm, I'm going to run out of time. I'm on argument number five, so we're, we're doing okay. I'm not going to take the time to go through the whole chapter of Leviticus 23. I preached through Leviticus 23 Multiple times, we did a whole series through Leviticus where I covered chapter 23. But I just want to point out some things to you, okay? So let me give you argument number five. We'll just review. Argument one, the Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances, which include the Sabbath day, have been repealed. Argument two, the New Testament specifically teaches that we have the liberty to keep or not keep any day, which includes the Sabbath day. And we're not supposed to judge people based off the decision we make. Argument number three, and look, for example, like, I keep the holidays, right? I keep... The, the Christmas and Easter, okay? But you know, one thing that I don't do, which is what the Sabbath is, I don't take a day off. You know, to me, it just doesn't work with my life and, and my schedule. And I do take time to rest, obviously. But I don't take like a 24-hour period called the Sabbath that I, that I rest because just the way that my life works in ministry just doesn't, it, it doesn't work. If I try to take a day off, you'll just call me on that day and ruin it. We'll just have two babies born on that day and just ruin it. So, you know, so it's just, so, so in that case, that's just a choice that I've made. But, but you don't have to do that. You can take a full day off, and I'm not going to judge you, and you shouldn't judge me and say, oh, you don't keep the Sabbath day. Look, let every man be fully persuaded in his own mind. So here's argument number five. People who, and this is, I think this is personally my favorite but it's not, you know, it's probably not the one you want to start with. You know, the one you want to start with is number one. The Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances have been done away. That's, that's the, the story. But here's argument number five. People who supposedly keep the Sabbath day do not actually keep all the Sabbaths. And do not do on the Sabbath day what the children of Israel did on the Sabbath day. Because here's what people do not understand about the Sabbath day. The Sabbath day... There's two classifications to the Sabbath day, and they're both called the Sabbath day. Because the Sabbath day was a day of rest. It was a day off where you rested. So the, the most popular understanding of the Sabbath day is, of course, the Sabbath day being the seventh day of the week, what we would call Saturday, the seventh day of the week, you're supposed to rest. But then the Bible says that there are other days the Old Testament teaches that there are other days that are also Sabbath days that did not fall on a day, but fell on a date. You understand what I just said? So when something falls on a day, 
every Saturday is a Sabbath day? Well, every Saturday is a Sabbath day. But when something falls on a date, that's a different story. It's like Thanksgiving. What Thanksgiving, what is it, the third Thursday of every November? Or fourth Thursday? Who knows? Anybody know? Fourth? Fourth? So the fourth Thursday of every November is Thanksgiving. You know what that means? That means it could fall on November 22nd, November 23rd. November. It's going to fall on a different day, date, every year because it's a day. The fourth, it's, it's, it's always a Thursday, right? But then how about Christmas? Christmas is a date, December 25th. So that's, gonna, that's not going to be, it's, we're not going to have Christmas always on a Thursday. It's going to be different days. Do you understand that? So here's what I want you to see in Leviticus 23. In Leviticus 23, you have a, a, a listing of these Sabbath days. And again, I just want to point this out to you. I'm not going to go through the whole passage. But in verse 2, if you just look at Leviticus 23, 2, you have the verse that gives us the Sabbath day as the seventh day of the week. In fact, let me just, I have it in my notes, but let me just turn there. Leviticus 23. And look, just look at verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, Concerning the feast of the Lord, which ye shall proclaim to be holy convocations, even these are my feasts. Look at verse 3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. Okay? So you see there, excuse me, I said verse 2, but I meant verse 3. The, the, third, the third verse of Leviticus 23 tells us that we have a Sabbath day that falls on a weekly schedule. It's the sixth day. It's the seventh day, excuse me. Uh, six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest and holy convocation. Ye shall do no work therein. That's what a Sabbath is. You do no work therein. It is a Sabbath of the Lord in all your dwellings. All right? But then look at verses 4 and 5. These are the feasts. Now, when you see feasts, just think holiday. He's, he's going to give them a list of other holidays. These are the feasts of the Lord, even holy convocations, which ye shall proclaim in their seasons. Look at verse 5. In the 14th day of the first month. That's not a day, that's a date. At even is the Lord's Passover. So did the Passover happen on the same day, on Saturday every year? No, it didn't. It's not like Thanksgiving, it's like Christmas. It had a date that was set. It was the 14th day of the first month. So it was a different day every year. But whenever it was, that day was the Sabbath day. You understand what I'm saying? Look at, um, look at verse uh, 6. And on the 15th day of the same month is the Feast of Unleavened Bread unto the Lord. Seven days ye must eat unleavened bread. In the first day ye shall have an holy convocation. Ye shall do, notice this phrase, no servile work therein. That's your key word to tell you this is a Sabbath day. So we, so we have the Sabbath, which is the seventh day of the week in verse 3. But then we read about the fact that the Passover was the 14th day of the first month. That's also a Sabbath day. And uh, also John 19.31 tells us that's a Passover and it calls it a Sabbath day or a high day. Leviticus 28, uh, 23 verses 6 through 8 tells us the Feast of Unleavened Bread was a Sabbath day. Look at uh, verse 9, Leviticus 23 and verse 9. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, ye shall reap the harvest thereof. Then ye shall bring a sheep of the first fruits of, the, of your harvest unto the priest, and ye shall wave the sheep before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath uh, the priest shall wave it. 
Notice there, uh, verse 12, And ye shall offer that day when ye weigh the sheep and he lamb without blemish on the first year for a burnt offering unto the Lord. And the meat offering thereof shall be two tenth deals of fine flour mingled with oil, an offering made by fire unto the Lord for a sweet savor, and a drink offering thereof shall be of wine, the fourth part of an hen. And ye shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that ye have brought an offering unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. And, and look, and, and, and the, here's the point that I want you to notice. Not only are there dates given for the Passover, for the Feast of Unleavened Bread, verses 9 through 4, the Feast of First Fruits, verses 15 through 23, the Feast of Weeks, verses 24 through 25, the Feast of Trumpets, verses 27 through 32, the Day of Atonement. These are all dates the Feast of Unleavened Bread is the 15th day of the first month. The Feast of Fruits, uh, uh, First Fruits, uh, is, is given as a date as well, uh, the, which is the same, the same week as the Unleavened Bread. The Feast of Weeks is 50 days after the Feast of the First Fruits. It's what we know in the New Testament as the Day of Pentecost. The Feast of Trumpets is the first day of the seventh month. The Day of Atonement is the tenth day of the seventh month. The Feast of Booths is the 15th day of the seventh month. These don't all fall on a Saturday because they're dates, they fall on different days, but whenever they fell, they were, a Sab- they were a Sabbath day. So here's what's interesting to me about many Sabbath day keepers is that they keep the seventh day, Saturday, but they don't keep all these special days. They don't keep, you know, the 14th day of the first month and uh, 50 days after that. And they don't keep uh, the first day of the seventh month and the 10th day of the seventh month and the 15th day. They don't keep these dates. So they'll tell you they keep the Sabbath day, but they just keep the weekly Sabbath, but the Bible has other Sabbaths that they don't keep. But every once in a while, you'll find someone crazy enough to keep those days. They'll, you know, and they're following some Jewish calendar, which is not biblical, and they're blowing the shofar, and I mean, they're just, you know, they're just like all Jewed up. But here's what's funny about that. Because I just read to you a passage. What were they supposed to do at these solemn feasts? They're sacrificing animals. So show me a Seventh-day Adventist who's sacrificing an animal on the Sabbath day. You won't find it. Show me a Seventh-day Baptist. Show me a Hebrew roots guy. None of these people. The Jews themselves in Israel aren't sacrificing anything. So So explain to me how you're keeping the Old Testament Sabbath day when you're not sacrificing a lamb, you're not, you're not, I mean, can, can somebody show me a video of some Seventh-day Adventist bringing in a big ox in the middle of their, and then burning it, you know, just the whole thing? It's not happening. So people who supposedly keep the Sabbath day, they don't even know what they're talking about. Because if you actually studied the Sabbath day, you would realize that there's lots of Sabbath days in the Old Testament. And you're supposed to do certain things in those Sabbath days, not just rest. But the ones that were solemn assemblies, you had certain feasts. They were staying in booths. They were, they were staying in tents. And they were doing certain sacrifices. They were feasts for the children of Israel. But here's the thing. All those things have been done away. In the New Testament, because the ordinances are done. The ceremonial law is done. I don't need a Levitical priest. I don't need a high priest. I have a high priest. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Hebrews chapter 4. Hebrews chapter 4. So hopefully that, that makes sense. That there's lots of Sabbath days. Obviously the, the main one that people know about falls on Saturday. Falls on a day. But there's lots of Sabbath days that fall on a date. And people don't keep those. 
And if someone is crazy enough to find some Jewish calendar and try to keep it, they're not sacrificing anything. They're not doing the sacrifices of the Old Testament, and they shouldn't be doing. Those things have been done away. So you'll ask them, why don't you sacrifice a lamb? And they'll say, well, that's, you know, we don't sacrifice in the New Testament. That, that was a picture of Jesus Christ. But here's what you need to understand. So was the Sabbath day. Amen. So I'm giving you uh, six reasons why we don't keep the Sabbath day. In my opinion, I started with the strongest, and then I gave you some other ones. But then I'm going to end with what I would also say is, is one of the strongest, maybe even the strongest of all of them. So the first argument is the Old Testament covenant and the Old Testament ordinances, which include the Sabbath day, have been repealed. The second argument is that the New Testament specifically teaches that we have the liberty to keep or not keep any day, and this includes the Sabbath day. The third argument is that the New Testament reiterates nine of the Ten Commandments, but not the fourth commandment about the Sabbath day, which is also the only one of the Ten Commandments that was an ordinance. So it's been done away. Argument four is that the New Testament practice was to go to church on the first day of the week, not the Sabbath day. Argument five is that people who supposedly keep the Sabbath do not actually keep all the Sabbaths and do not do what the children of Israel did on the Sabbaths because there's the Sabbath that falls on a day and there are Sabbaths that fall on a date and the ones that fall on a date are not always going to fall on the seventh day, but those were still Sabbaths. And during those solemn assemblies, they were supposed to do certain sacrifices. And that's what made it a solemn assembly. That's what made it a Sabbath day. So people will say, oh, I keep the Sabbath. No, you don't. Then here's argument number six. And again, this is, this is I would say this is one of the strongest arguments. Is that the Old Testament, and we, I've kind of been saying it this whole time, but I'll just say it clearly this time. Argument six. The Old Testament Sabbath day was a picture or a foreshadowing of salvation through Christ. And the reason that we don't keep it is because, like any ceremonial aspect of the law, it pictured Christ, and it is fulfilled in Christ. Look at Hebrews 4 and look at verse 1 again. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. For unto us was, and we're going to dissect this thoroughly next week, but I just want to highlight this for you. For unto us was, the gospel preached. Notice that he's bringing up the Sabbath day, but he's also bringing up salvation, the gospel preached, as well as unto them. By the way, in the Old Testament, the gospel is preached to them too. Nobody was saved in the Old Testament by keeping the law. That's not what the Bible teaches. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. So they heard the word, but it didn't profit them because they didn't have faith. It wasn't mixed with faith. Verse 3, for we which have believed, that's faith, notice what it says, do enter into rest. The Bible says that we, which I believe, do enter into rest. As he said, I have sworn in my wrath that they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wife. Now, he's saying, look, the gospel was preached. For them, it was not profitable. It did not profit them because it was not mixed with faith. But we, which have believed, 
do enter into rest. He says, we're already in rest. And then he brings up the Sabbath day or the seventh day as an example, verse 4. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest. So what is the writer of Hebrews explaining or expressing to us? And he's saying this. The Old Testament Sabbath day was a picture of salvation. And the fact that on creation week, God labored for six days as he created the heavens and the earth, and then he ceased from his labor, and he rested on the seventh day. And that is a foreshadow, that is symbolic, that is a picture of salvation. You say, how is that a picture of salvation? When when we go out soul winning every week, we knock on doors and meet religious people who are working and trying to labor and get themselves to heaven. We ask them, do you know for sure you died today or you're on your way to heaven? Yes. What are you trusting in to get you to heaven? Well, I'm trying to live a good life. I'm trying to do the best that I can. I'm trying to keep the commandments. I got baptized. I repented of my sins. I'm keeping the Sabbath day. Whatever it is, they're doing all these works. And then we tell them, look, salvation is by grace through faith. It's not a work. You don't have to earn it. You don't have to work for it. And they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And they go from laboring, and they cease from laboring, and they enter into rest. You ask me, do you keep the Sabbath day? Yeah, I keep the Sabbath day. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. He's my Sabbath. I rest in Christ. I'm not trying to labor my way into heaven. I don't don't do Christianity trying to hoping that I get to heaven. I've ceased from my works. Like Like the Bible says, God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And we which have believed do enter into rest. So you know what these people who are trying to get us to rest, they're trying to get us to take the Sabbath day and relax, they're trying to keep the Sabbath day to get to heaven, they're the ones that need to enter into rest. They need to enter into what the Sabbath day, because remember, the whole point of the book of Hebrews is that Jesus is better. So you know, the Old Testament Sabbath day, hey, it, it, it was good. There's nothing wrong with it. God told them, take a day to rest Take a day to reflect on me. Take a day to celebrate me. Take a day. But you know what's better than the Old Testament rest? You know, Jesus, the Sabbath, he's better. Because I don't have to just, I, I don't have to just rest on one day. I can rest my whole life secure in Christ. So why don't we keep the Old Testament Sabbath day? Because the rest of Jesus, Jesus is my Sabbath day. The rest of Jesus is better. The Old Testament Sabbath day was a picture or a foreshadow of salvation through Christ. And now that we're in Christ, it's been done away. Same reason we don't keep the Passover. Same reason we don't have a temple. Same reason we don't keep any of those things. Because all of that has been fulfilled in Christ. So the Old Testament Sabbath day was a picture or a foreshadow of salvation through Christ. And we keep the Sabbath day in Christ. If you're saved... If the gospel was preached and you believed it, then you entered into rest. You did rest from your works and you entered in to his rest. That was the gospel. That was the symbolism. That was the foreshadowing of the Old Testament telling us, hey, the Old Testament Sabbath was better, but Jesus being your Sabbath, the Old Testament Sabbath was good, but Jesus being your Sabbath, that's better. We can rest for all of eternity in that. We can be secure in that. We don't have to work for that. We don't have to earn that. It's a free gift of God. Let's bow our heads and I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father.
Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word. And Lord, the Bible is clear, but oftentimes uh, sermons like this have to get preached because before we can really understand what's being taught about the Sabbath day, we have to clean up a lot of false teaching and false beliefs about the Sabbath day. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to, to be like the Bible says, to be ready to give an answer to every man that asks of the reason and the hope that is in us. And Lord, help us to, to just understand why it is that we don't keep the Sabbath day and, and help us to, to have those arguments and not just have those arguments, but just understand what the Bible teaches about these things and because we want to follow the Word of God and be Bible-believing New Testament Christians. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we're going to have uh, Brother Moses come up and lead us in a final song as we prepare for...